Welcome to the Regular People Podcast. Thank I am you. Wade, and today I'm joined by Kendall Karpinski. Yep, thanks for having me. I'm sure you've heard. I'm kind of a big fan. I've been listening. All my roommates have been on the podcast, so yeah. well, I've listened to quite a few. There. Yeah, got like two more, I think. Yeah, but they're not as interesting. Just oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked to them as much. So yeah, I don't know. Thanks for listening to the episodes. Yeah, I always appreciate when I got a fan. Yeah. So I guess one thing I, I want to say is uh, for listeners and for my recording self is there might be some talking going on. I feel like usually when I record in this audio booth, there aren't people right outside, but today there are. So a little bit, a little bit unlucky. Hopefully it won't be a big deal. Yeah. Tuesday peak uh, library population, probably yeah, middle maybe. of the week. Yeah. So. First thing I like to do with people is ask for like some background on yourself. What have your last five years looked like for you? How have you changed? What have you been up to? What have your interests been in that time? Last How old are you? Five also? years. I'm 21. Oh, okay. So last five years, that puts me back like in high school, I guess. Senior year, 2020 is when COVID happened. Basically, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Really kind of scary time, like just had no idea what I wanted to do. So it's a requirement at Kimberly High School, which is where I went, that you have to take like a like a life on your own class. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it, it, it helped me a lot. But um, basically one day, like this dude from recruiter from the Army National Guard came in, was like, do you want to go to college for free and we'll give you $20,000? And I was like, I have nothing else to do. So $20,000 on top of going to college? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's a bonus. So that was like the sign-on bonus that they offered. So I'm like, might as well. It's like one weekend a month. Yeah. All you got to do is like work out and kind of just show up. And Does it start out as one weekend a month though? I feel like, don't you have um, basic training or something? Yeah. Yeah. So like you, three months or something? Yeah. You got to go to basic training, which is 10 weeks. And then that's followed by AIT, which is advanced individual training, I think. Where you so specialize like, in something? Yeah. So like my job is a 12 Bravo combat engineer, it's called. And that was only four weeks at the time. And now I think they actually made it like 14 weeks for that. So I was like one of the last like <laughs> of the four weekers. That seems kind of weird. Bravos. Like, does that mean you're undertrained um, with, you know, in comparison to the newer well, guys? I think how they did it the old way with the four weeks was better because at being a combat engineer, the job is extremely broad. You can be doing like route clearance, which is basically looking for like roadside IEDs or like bombs or whatever. Um, you can be like a light sapper platoon, which is like where you're like connected to like an infantry unit being on foot, kind of doing like light arm stuff. Basically, they call it like the jack of all trades. So the four week training, I feel like you do most of the training once you're assigned to your unit after AIT and then you gotcha. kind of learn what you're going to be like really specializing in. Okay. But now I think they just delve deeper into each one of those. Oh, okay. And then maybe whatever you get assigned to, half of what you learned ends up being useless right. to you? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Yeah. High school, um, ended up joining the guard while I was 17, still in high school. So how does that work? I've always kind of wondered because I noticed those recruiters when I was in high school too. They didn't snatch me up, but like basic <laughs> training, 
do you have to then like do that over the summer or like do you somehow do that during your school year well so it's 10 weeks so usually you can fit that in like a summer vacation or whatever some kids even join like their junior year of high school yeah go to basic training that summer after then they just go to normal like beginner drill it's called srp for their whole senior year and then when they graduate they'll go to ait okay so it can be like split like that in my case i just waited till i was done with senior year and basically did it just all the way through back to back so Um, when did you sign on though uh october 15th 2019 so you were a senior yes at the time so did you get your twenty thousand dollar bonus right then or was um, it like you get the first 10, once you finish something yeah you get the first 10 after you finish basic training and then you get i think it's five grand after three years and then five grand after five years i signed a six-year contract so okay so this is a bonus and you get those installments at those times but you're also getting like salary or something like that yeah so how it works for me is if you're a full-time student you get the 1606 gi bill at least in wisconsin that's what they offer which is like ends up being like four or five hundred bucks a month just like because they don't expect you to really work if you're a full-time student yeah and then um if like me i scored good enough on my asvab test which is like the test you have to take before you even get into the military if you score good enough on that you can get a gi bill kicker it's called which is like an extra lump sum a month Um, okay so is that basically like an act or equivalent kind of thing it's yeah it's like like that but english math no the question i mean the questions are very basic english math kind of stuff but then like most of the questions are like what is this part on a car or like it's it's like like an engineering yeah well not even that it's more broad than just engineering it's like more hands-on like kind of like industrial like worky questions which is weird because, I mean, I'm, a lot of the jobs you're doing in the Army are, you know, working with your hands and with, like, Machines, machinery yeah. and stuff. Um, okay. Not to say that there's not tens of thousands of office jobs, like, finance jobs and stuff that they offer, too. Yeah. So, it's pretty sweet. I get a good amount of money a month just for going to school and going to drill uh, yeah. one weekend a month. They say it's one weekend a month, but it ends up, like not being one weekend a month like what do you um, just not get called in for a week well no no so it's it ends up being more oh more yeah because they're like oh like we have come in thursday and like stay till monday and they call that a weekend sometimes okay and then the other thing is like the two weeks in the summer the annual training which i haven't had a normal two-week annual training in all my three and a half years of being in what do you mean by you haven't had a normal one? Like, well, you haven't had it? or No, we've... It's been longer? It's been way longer, yeah. <laughs> like so, four weeks? Yeah, closer to that. Like, my unit basically is, like, working up to a deployment, and you have to, like, basically make it through, like, levels. Okay. And you have to, like, pass these levels. As um, a unit? As a unit. Okay. And you get graded, and, like, if you pass this one, you move on to the next one. And if you make it all the way up to, like, the last level they can, you know, deem you deployable. Then you basically get thrown into a rotation of, like, relieving people that are already deployed. So it's like a rotation thing. I keep so. on asking questions, so I feel like no, I'm getting but, off, off of these topics that I originally asked you about. But, but <laughs> So deployment, fine. though, does that always mean, like, overseas somewhere? Or could yeah. a deploy- deployment be just, like, 
a different state? Like, could you well, get deployed to California? Yes, you could, but that's that's called like uh, activation if it's okay. like domestic, which I've actually been activated a few times. Um, <laughs> Sounds uh, like you're a, a sleeper agent or something. <laughs> no, it's 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 actually crazy. So I don't want to jump back and forth between the original like five year thing oh, because okay. like yeah. and like this because this is you know yeah we, I'll, we'll remember that one. Okay, yeah, I want to go back to the activation stories at some point. Okay. So yeah, we're basically working up to a deployment. You basically go through these like war simulation things. At least for me, it is because I'm a combat combat arms MOS or job, and it's it's pretty sweet actually. It's it's fun besides all like the bullshit of sleeping in the rain and shitting in the woods and not showering for weeks and it sucks. But <laughs> it's basically like glorified laser tag. Like yeah. like we run around in the woods and we shoot blanks at each other and we have these things called. Um, miles lasers that clip onto the end of our weapons and every time a blank is like fired it engages the laser at like the bad guys and like if you get hit it like buzzes at you basically so it's like this big month-long war are you wearing like special like vest or something yeah like like, clips into your like kit like your iotv your bulletproof vest basically but yeah you basically like start out doing like a very easy one of those and it like gets harder and harder and we're we just completed our second one this past summer and now this next summer i have to go down to fort polk louisiana and we're going to complete our final one and we've been killing it so hopefully we do good so your goal is to get deployed personally um that's something i kind of struggle with like i i don't necessarily know if i want to the pros of being deployed would be like yeah, like I can say, I actually did something yeah. with my time in the army. You also like don't have to take care of any bills while you're gone. They like pay all your bills, all your your rent and everything. Your salary is tax free because you're deployed. You're not on like U.S. soil, so that's also a plus. And you basically, a lot of people think it sounds like oh you're getting shot at every day, and but it's it's really like you're just kind of going to work every day like nine to five you get back to the base you can eat work out and um for me personally i really enjoyed basic training because it was kind of like i was away got to really just focus on working out and getting in like a routine was really nice like being away from everything not even being able to spend any money making all this money while i'm gone so i think like having something like that after college would be really good kind of head start into a real adulthood after college, especially the money, <laughs> you know, like aside from the fact that they're paying bills for you while you're deployed, is there any extra like financial like incentive? Like are the people who are deployed paid the same like as um, before or do you get like a, a raise for being deployed? Uh, So it definitely gives you like promotion points Okay. if you're deployed, which makes it more likely that you'll get promoted. And every time you promote onto the next higher rank you get a pay bump right so yeah and then you also get like hazardous pay which is like how dangerous your location is you can get paid more or less based on where you are Uh, another really big thing is like the insurance is like really nice that's actually why a lot of people like stay in (laughs) the army like just to get like really cheap insurance which is interesting cheap so you still have to pay for it yeah, you still have to pay for it, but it's like 
significantly cheaper. Like, okay. especially like a lot of the guys with like families and stuff, it's like so much cheaper. Like, cheaper enough to where they're literally signing more contracts and yeah. you know. So that would be cool to get deployed. The downside to that would obviously be, you know, being gone for a year. I have things that I like to do and friends and stuff yeah. that I would miss, obviously. But an increased chance of death, even if you're you know, <laughs> right, yeah. not like in an active war zone. Yeah, it's still going to be more dangerous than living in true non-deployment. But, but it's something weird with being in the army, where like I've been training for three years, and it's kind of this thing where I'm like, all right, I'm like kind of ready to do my job for real. Yeah. Like it's it's weird. I know it sounds like like kind of bizarre, but it's like. I talked to my dad, he's a firefighter, and he was kind of the same way. He was, like, when he was fresh, like, out of the fire department, he really wanted to, like, boots on the ground, like, have something happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird human psychological, you know. Also, I just feel like war and, like, violence is so, like, heavily rooted into, like, humans, which is kind of weird. <laughs> so you're not like saying I'm, like, <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm, like, a violent person or I necessarily want it to happen but like i feel like i'd be ready and i feel like me and the people i work with would do like a very good job yeah. and it would be like extremely fulfilling to execute proficiently you know yeah, yeah i could see that yeah i had another question that popped up about these um war games that you're playing <laughs> um maybe that's makes it sound like no childish, but no that's exactly what it is you're playing like a army guy Right, so when you get shot by this, you know, laser blank, do you just then have to act dead, or like, do you have some sort yeah. of way of telling, like, oh, that was a you know a non-fatal shot, so now yes. I have to just act injured? So um, there's these XOs that walk around that kind of facilitate the war game. Yeah, and um, like if you get shot, your your gear will like buzz at you, and an OC will either come up and be like, you're dead, you got shot in the face, like don't move, um, or they'll be like, you know, like you got your left leg blown off and they'll like kind of sometimes they'll even have like flashcards that they'll throw on you. So like your teammates can come up and read it and perform, like simulate the, the... you know, put on tourniquets yeah. or gauze or call in nine lines or whatever, you know? So yeah, it goes either way. But the last two trainings that we attended i was like one of the only guys that died in my whole company <laughs> which i don't know if that's just like bad luck or just the wrong place at the wrong time or what but i just think it's kind of funny <laughs> hopefully that's not uh yeah you know, an omen right hopefully not <laughs> <laughs> okay so back to the the five-year um yeah story then. okay so yeah we totally got Guard. off track there um you signed up in october of your senior year yeah but then you didn't do boot camp or basic training until the summer after yes. senior year yes correct so i get back from basic training and ait and i got all this money and i'm 18 and i'm like this is awesome you know i buy a motorcycle i buy <laughs> like it was just so cool yeah. and like covid was kind of still a thing at the time and oh um, yeah i guess sorry to sidetrack you again no. but do you know if that like changed the way basic training happens oh it like for sure did because like, everybody like <laughs> we had to wear masks six feet apart at, yeah. at all times well, and everything like that kind of not really we had to like quarantine for like two weeks right when we got there so oh, like okay. everyone was good but we still had to wear masks and a big thing with basic training is like being accountable for all your gear 
at all times. And it was really annoying because it was just one more thing you had to remember. Yeah. Like if you would forget like your camelback or like like your water source or if you would forget your hat, your patrol cap or something, like they would just smoke you, you know, they'd make you do push-ups. Yeah. And it was just like one other thing that you could like randomly forget somewhere and they'd be like, where's your mask? Like, you know, so... It's kind of weird that they make you wear masks if you guys all quarantine. Exactly. But I don't know, whatever. We also like, there's like a lot of like civilians, like the people who work at like the dining facility and like, like there's people that come in from the outside. So it kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, other than that, it didn't really change too much. I was actually also, are you familiar with the term shark attack? No. Um, Have you like, I'm trying to think of a movie. Unless you're talking about a literal shark attack. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, basically, there's this thing called a shark attack, which is, like, right when you get off the bus at basic training, and they'll, like, be screaming at you in your face, tossing your shit everywhere. Okay. Making you, like, get it. Like, just super high-intense situation, basically. The army, like, kind of kind of deemed that, like, like they didn't like it. I don't All know. Right. Like, like, and a lot of people are saying, like, the army's getting softer now. Yeah. But anyways, we were like the last. So this is something that before, like just the, not like your your leaders would do, but just the the guys who are there would just haze you. Basically, no, no, or, the lead. It was like the drill sergeant. Oh, the drill sergeant. Yeah. Would do it too? Okay. Yeah. Or, so yeah, it was just the drill sergeant that would do it. Okay. But um, we were actually the last cycle in the U.S. Army to ever receive a shark attack, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so because then I can like actually be like, yeah, my basic training was. You know, legitimate, <laughs> legit, <laughs> like, but I mean, still not even close to as legit as you know previous year. Even like like 2013, basic training was like way worse. Like it just gradually got easier and easier with like rules and like how strict they are. Things like well, the amount of physical labor, like what? stuff like that. Like they're they're more like big army leadership is holding drill sergeants a lot more accountable with like treating the soldiers with like fairness and stuff where that was kind of not so much a thing in past years where like i don't know they could really mess you up like yeah obviously like way long time ago like people would be getting hit by drill sergeants and just like another big thing is like the punishment for whatever you're doing wrong has to fit the infringement like it has to be you know proportional and that wasn't always the case, like, back then. Like, yeah. it's I'm thankful that I went through it at the time that I did, I guess. I mean, I, I can see a benefit, though, to the shark attacks or, like, that kind of hazing, too, because if you're screaming at people and, like, tormenting people as soon as they get there, I imagine that leads to at least some people leaving mm-hmm. and quitting. Yeah, it weeds out the, the weak ones. <laughs> right. So, like, if, if you aren't exposed to, like, really difficult, terrible situation right away then like are you going to expose to that when it like really matters and then right, exactly. like you're not the type of person who can handle it exactly yeah they their whole the whole like motto of basic training is like we're gonna break you down so we can like build you back up how we want you right of. yeah so they like really mess with you like the first couple like weeks there were horrible like awful i'm trying to think like just some of the little stuff that you know we'd mess up we wouldn't um let's say someone left like a 
hair in the sink when they were shaving or something like we didn't clean up after ourselves or something and a drill sergeant found it you know they'd just storm into our barracks and like take all of our shit and throw it everywhere and just make us do push-ups and run and like it sucked so then where most of the punishments are all of them more like having to do exercise or like manual labor but like no beatings yes yes i will say we had one drill sergeant who was like she was horrible she was awful and she accidentally in the chow hall uh, the chow halls where you eat you had to do this thing where you would have to like bring your bowl to the food to put it in but i accidentally like brought the food to your bowl yeah i like picked up some salad and like put it in my bowl instead of bringing my bowl to the salad and so she takes my bowl out of my hand and she like raises it up super fast, like right in front of my face. And on accident, she hit me in the face with my, with my bowl and my nose started bleeding like everywhere. And, um, she like, she's, she said, sorry at first, but then just continued to just scream <laughs> at me. And then, um, like a couple more weird things happened with her and she eventually got demoted to a private and got kicked out of our company for being like an unfair leader. So, yeah. I mean, it was an accident, but like that was probably part of why she had to leave. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another thought that I had. um, So do you think that going to basic training and just your entire experience, like in the armed forces has changed your personality? Or like, I don't know if who it, you are. I don't think it changed my personality, but I think it did. You know, it definitely changed my perception on things and my work ethic for sure. You know, like coming out of high school as like a kid with like no direction and like going to that far away from your house. You know, you don't have your parents there. You know, you're all on your own. Like, I think that was really good for me. I would I wouldn't say it changed who I am though. Like I'm still, you know, the way I've always been, but I don't know, I'd say it, it helped me mature quicker. Okay. Cuz I guess one thing that I'm curious about is people that go into whatever division of I don't know, what do you call it? What's the what's the overall is it the army? Military. Military, that's the word I'm looking for, the military. Cuz I guess basic training and all that would teach you to like follow orders and yeah. like, you know, be respectful and like be tidy and like completely put together kind of thing. I wonder if that's something that like people just get changed into that or if they're more, it's more like code switching where like you just are who you are, but then when you are in like the military environment, then you turn on that person again. That's what it is for me. Cause I only do it, you know, one weekend a month or whatever. When I'm there, like I flip a switch kind of, and I'm, like that but when i'm not you know i'm able to turn it off and a lot of my friends like rv and all those guys they'll tell you like right when i got back from basic they said it like i was crazy like because i was there for so long and like you know you're very young you're very impressionable you know like i remember thinking like i'm gonna go active i want to like i want to do it like (laughs) but like i think maybe for a lot of active duty guys that might be the case where like it because it never really stops but i got the break of coming home and then only having to go to drill every now and then so i don't know so you're thinking it might be dependent on how much time you spend there yeah maybe at least deployed for seven years then maybe that just 
kind of becomes who you are after yeah, a while. Yeah, it becomes, you know, your reality. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's different for everyone, but that's how it is, or how it was for me, at least. I don't know how much more there is to the, to the five-year journey, but... Oh, there's... Oh, that's literally, like... That's right after high school. Right. I was back. I'm going to try to not stray too far okay. from this, but... I'll try to not distract yeah. you. So I get back from basic training, had all this money, didn't even have a job or anything. Like, it was like, all right, well, I got to do something now. Um, so I was like, you know, my dad was is a firefighter. His dad was a firefighter. Maybe I'll just do that. So I enroll in EMT school at Fox Valley Tech. I'm like, yeah, this sounds cool. Like, it's kind of hand in hand with what I'm doing in the guard. And it's interesting. It, seems fun i mean i imagine that's a common track like either becoming like a police officer or like a firefighter right. for a lot of people after the military yeah exactly and so i was totally on board with that and then um the semester was just about to start and i got the call hey we're getting activated there's a bunch of riots going on like we need you and this is like right when i'm fresh fresh out of basic like have not even been to a drill yet haven't met anyone at my unit like still 18 haven't had any training on riot control or anything so basically i report to i think it was some armory in kenosha i think that's because i think it was it was at the time of like the jacob blake stuff oh, okay and like which is like a weird thing because like i was young and i i felt like kind of that conflict with myself thinking like I was on the wrong side right you know? yeah. like like the riots are justified exactly. and you're there to suppress them. right Ex- well yeah yeah exactly that's how I felt 18 year old me shows up and they basically like give me a rifle with 30 live rounds and they just kicked me on the street of Kenosha with little to no riot control training at all that seems we were kind of just there for looks right more but like it was still like very shocking like i was like i have pictures of my phone like i just look so young and i'm like i've like just have no training on any like what if something does happen like i'm i don't know what to do it was because that's not even what my job what i was trained for at basic you know right we're kind of more there to just kind of like back up the police like they were kind of giving us orders and it was more just for looks were you there in like the full get up? Like you yeah. had that uniform with like Kevlar and like yep. everything? Yeah, I had full kit and then we had uh we had sh- uh baseball catcher shin guards on. Oh, okay. And then we had riot, riot shields. shields yeah. And then we had like these clip on attachments on our helmets that would um like flip down and it was like a plastic face shield. Oh, okay. Any gas masks or anything like that? We did have gas masks, yeah. 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 We did that. I was there for like a week or two. We got sent home. I'm like, all right, well, I just missed my first week of EMT school. Uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll try to keep doing it, whatever, make up. The EMT school would be something like they cover, right? The, the, yes. The National yeah, Guard covers, yeah. yeah. So as soon as I'm about to go back, they call me again. They're like, all right, this time we're going to Madison. Like, get get all your shit together. We're going. So I'm like, all right, this again. That I mean... Not, thankfully, nothing really happened, but yeah, I was I basically had to drop out of EMT yeah. school. And um, the funniest thing that actually happened, or not really funny, but um, on those activations, I think the one in Kenosha, this is what happened. I, I didn't really see it happen, but it happened to one of our guys. He actually got hit in the face with a gallon of 
of milk. <laughs> like if some protester just like threw it at him, I guess. And the funniest part about it is now like everyone calls him two percent. Like that's his nickname. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But yeah, anyways, had to drop out of EMT school. Then, you know, same thing kind of went on. Uh wasn't doing much and I was like, I'll go to lacrosse, UW Lacrosse. Went to UW Lacrosse, undeclared, basically messing around kind of didn't really meet any friends there or anything i was like uh, this place is really pretty like very awesome but i don't know the people here aren't really for me so i'm like i'm going to transfer to uw milwaukee so i i transferred to uw milwaukee did you know people already that go, go um, to uw milwaukee or like me and like kind of the people i live with now we all grew up in appleton together so we were all kind of like talking about okay. you know all moving in together and stuff so that plan was kind of happening so i'm like all right just got to finish out this year at lacrosse then i can move uh to milwaukee with all my friends so as as second semester starts i meet like all my best friends at lacrosse (laughs) and perfect timing yeah exactly and uh they start a band and like I, i i really wanted to be in this band but i was leaving and like i would still jam out with them and stuff but it really hurt. I was like, oh, God, like I shouldn't have jumped the gun. I should have, you know, I should have stayed. Was it too late or something to change your mind or? Um, I don't I don't really remember. I, th- I remember making the decision and being like, this is what's going to happen. And then like just kind of regretting it. But like still like I'm still going to follow through with this. Like okay. I still because the other thing was is lacrosse, like their academic programs are just like the basic like business accounting like yeah you know at milwaukee they have like kind of cooler stuff like yeah i don't know like more niche kind of stuff like i'm going to school now for journalism advertising and media studies that's exactly what my girlfriend went for jams yeah Yeah. Yeah, with uh focus and ad and pr so okay that's just i don't know it's more i and i'm happy i made the decision like the school is just better for me personally i like the plus just like the people here are cooler i think like lacrosse is a bunch of just fratty white dudes like i don't know it wasn't yeah i can imagine milwaukee's got cooler culture yeah for sure because the city rather than yeah yeah i did visit lacrosse's campus in high school it's like one of the places that i I, you know visited like junior year or whatever it was yeah it's an awesome campus the campus is pretty cool and i remember the the theater department which is what i wanted to go for back in the day yeah um was pretty cool and the director of that like liked me so could have done that but did you ever end up doing anything with that no no i decided to i I didn't i said to not go to college out of like high school so took a long break and then Kind of forgot all about lacrosse. Yeah. After a while. So when did you start going to school then? Um, twenty twenty. Really? Yeah. Okay. So are you a senior then this year? Or? Yeah. Okay. Graduating in winter. Yeah, that's right. With Emma. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Wait. So why did you choose Milwaukee over lacrosse then? So I was not going to school for a while, just living like working jobs. And I was already living in Milwaukee, basically. I mean, oh, okay. I was living in West Dallas, mm. um, which is close enough. And my girlfriend, Adrian, did her first two years at Madison, and she did her second two years at Milwaukee. So then I kind of felt like I had experience with Milwaukee because okay. I would like, hang out around you know campus yeah. and stuff for like two years. And then I, over the that time, had known a bunch of people who had gone here. So yeah. it was close by, knew a bunch of people went here, so I just decided... Do you like it? Do you like Milwaukee? Yeah. 
I don't know. I think it's all right. Yeah, that's, that's I don't kind know of how I feel. Feelings, I mean, I, guess. I, th- I think, like, as a university itself, it's it's cool. And it's, like, it's big. And I don't know, like, our union is cool. We got, like, a bowling alley in the basement. Have you been in the new bar down there? Yeah. No. It's uh, like... At the Gast House. It's really oh, okay. sweet. You haven't checked it out. It's, it was under construction. Yeah, now it's, it's finally done. So, oh, okay. and it looks awesome. But, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I, I like the school itself, but, like... It's just kind of seems like to me like, uh, which is true, but they they do really just let anyone in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was super easy for me to get in. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah, it seems like, yeah, it's like an eighty three percent acceptance rate, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you gotta take that into account. Like I, and since like, I went to college a little later, not as late as you, but um, I took a year off, obviously for military stuff. But I'm in I'm in a class with like a lot of younger kids now. Yeah. And I'm realizing that like I I know this is true for like my grade too, but these like young like freshmen sophomores like I feel like lack huge like basic social skills. Like oh social skills. Okay. Like bad. Like in my class last week, we had a kid get called on like just out of the blue. Yeah. And the teacher asked him a question, and he kind of just stared at her. And it was like an no easy... Response? No response? No like, oh, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> or not even like a, I wasn't paying attention, sorry, or nothing. Just like... And I feel like, I don't know, it's just... It's weird. Something I've noticed. <laughs> I mean, I could definitely see that being a thing. Like, if I don't, people in very, I don't know, formative years had to go through, like, virtual school, like, right. for like two, however many years in high yeah. school or whatnot, they could probably have some detrimental right. well I, th- I think it's also like the the convergence of uh, milwaukee letting like everyone in and okay, like yeah. also like kids just like not even really needing to talk to people growing up now like they yeah. can just play video games with their friends and that's you know i yeah. don't know it's something i've noticed doesn't take anything away from milwaukee obviously and i'm not hating against anyone <laughs> <laughs> but like it's, i don't know it's kind of funny yeah, I have noticed. I feel like for a few classes, they're just like way too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely more like the gen general education yeah. ones for sure. But one thing that's good about Milwaukee is I f- think it's like pretty good research school, especially for the field that I'm mm. going for, like just, neuroscience. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's a plus. There's, yeah, that's cool. There's enough. There's a lot of research going on. Enough where I could get a job there you in go. it. So cool. Well, so you uh, transferred uh, yeah. from lacrosse here. Yeah, transferred from lacrosse here. And um, because I kind of had to, like, skip out on being in a band with all those guys, I was like, man, I really just want that for myself in yeah. Milwaukee here, where the scene is just so much better and, like, so much more opportunity. And luckily, one of my roommates, like, had history playing drums or whatever, so we went in um, – both threw in a hundred bucks and bought like some crappy old drum set. I already had my guitar and everything. So we, it was me and him, his name's Keenan. We just kind of started doing our own thing, you know, messing around. Did you already know him from Appleton? Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of realized we're like, dang, we kind of sound cool. Like we're better than like we thought. And then, um, kind of one by one, like we'd have just random people over and they'd, you know, pick stuff up and, try to jam with us you know we had to you know sometimes with some people it didn't work but uh, my cousin sam 
he was a freshman last year. He moved into Sandberg and he was always at our house. And he kind of just picked up the bass and like started messing around with it. And the bass is like a pretty easy instrument to learn. And I basically would just tell him what I was playing and he'd kind of follow along until he we started jamming out a lot and he kind of started getting pretty good on his own. And so he's our bass player now. And then RV moved from Orlando to Milwaukee and he's our lead singer. So now it was me, Sam, RV, and Keenan. And, you know, we were all right. We were still like, you know, I was very not great at guitar, but like I could play power chords to, you know, throw together any crappy punk song and, you yeah. know, we could make it work. But then we, one weekend, RV had his brother over to visit, his little brother Chase, and he is like a music savant. Really? He is ridiculous, like crazy. And so he brought his guitar and stuff and, you know, we all just played together and then it, the rest is history now we're in a band called human ant farm we've been a band now for a year and i'm like i love it it's like the best like, nice it's so it's a five man. five piece now oh, okay. yeah we got two guitars bass vocals and drum nice yeah any re recording music or just so yeah we're, we're kind of in the process of uh recording our first album we just scheduled some studio time in chicago for the first weekend of november that's pretty cool yeah it'll be really cool like all the stuff that we've you know worked on and played at shows like this whole first year we're finally gonna get out there for first stuff you know like on spotify everything nice so, yeah Wait, why chicago is there no um, good recording studio no there's here i mean we've never done it so like we didn't know where to go and like i met this kid at school and he's like you, you should go record with um my homie ben like that i grew up with he's got his own studio shout out ben and Cade, by the way and uh yeah so we're going to record with that's i mean it was like kind of like just the only lead we really had so yeah. we just took it and nice. we listened to some of the stuff he's produced in the past and it sounded good so we're like might as well is that just like you know a guy's still gonna cost a lot of money or like do you have a hookup um it's gonna Not be sure a lot yet. of money still, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you gotta think like this. This kid, like he's he's a young dude and he owns his own studio. Like he's gotta pay for it yeah. somehow, you yeah. know. And I don't mind something. I don't mind really paying a lot of money for if it's gonna sound really good and really yeah. professional. And like, I more just want it recorded because I know. We're not all going to be young and able to be in this band forever. And I kind of just want something to be proud of, put out, to just kind of stamp the time. Yeah, and it's like a time capsule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something it's like kind of like, what I'm doing with this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like something just to look back on. You right. can, you know, listen back to it and be like, oh, I remember when I was, you know, going through this and I wrote this song or, you know. Yeah. So you can put that on Spotify. I feel like what you should do, unless you're already doing it, like record yourself playing, put those up on YouTube. And then I don't know. You could just yeah cobble together some sort of like live music video kind of that would thing be to sweet. accompany your yeah like album dub release. it over like yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be sweet. We we just like there's so much like stuff like that we could be doing and we're just not because yeah. it's I don't know we're all busy we got yeah. school it is a lot know? of work on top of everything else exactly and I would love to do that stuff but then it's like you gotta pay someone to take a video of you and yeah. And we've tried recording some of our live stuff, like, on a camera, like, at our shows and stuff, and it just never turns out. And Yeah. But, yeah, eventually we'll get 
the ball rolling on some videos and some live stuff and I guess I don't know how tuned into it are you you are but um do you know if physical CD sales are a thing still They're a thing a lot of bands do it like you'll see you know bands at merch tables and at you know college basement shows trying to sell CDs but I feel like no one buys them and like it's cool like it's very it's a very romantic idea of you know buying a, or selling it your CD at yeah. a basement show but it's just not really uh realistic you know like everyone's who's gonna pay for that if you can go on spotify and listen right. to it for free yeah it's the same thing as like um i heard a podcast of someone saying this but it's the same thing with putting up like physical band posters to promote your shows like you don't think that's like it, it, it works or? i think it works but it's it's another one of those things where it's like oh like it's kind of just like a romantic thought where like <laughs> posting on instagram is where everyone's oh, gonna sure, find sure. it you know yeah. like it's it's crazy now like promoting stuff and like being a band like being on social media is like the biggest part of it like even more so than making the music itself it seems sometimes like there's yeah. well there's a lot of bands like local bands that are awesome at social media but they may lack in their music like it might not be the best but they're huge because they know how to play the game on social media That's... and it's it's bizarre you know it's that's the sad part about kind of just anything you can do, anything creative you can do online, like making a podcast or like videos or music or art, whatever you're doing. It's almost like it's more important to For sure. get it out there, to market exactly. than it is to actually do it. Yeah. It's, there's two parts of the game for sure. Yeah. And I definitely neglect one, one of those parts. Yeah, me too. But I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get better at it. I've it, tried out a few times actually, um, promoting stuff through like YouTube or like through Facebook and I don't know maybe I'm just not doing it right but so far what I've seen is like it works it like gets a spike in listens or views or whatever it is mm -hmm. for the thing you're doing but I haven't really seen that like stick or like yeah for instance like make a video turn it into an ad or like some people put ads for it so people will watch it you see a big spike a couple thousand views on it but then as soon as the ad is over then it right. it goes back to baseline so it's yeah. like what was it even for exactly and i f i feel like for you a really easy way maybe not easy i don't really know how this works <laughs> but i feel like a lot of the time it could de like really depend on who you're interviewing cuz oh, yeah. like you get like some hot shot on here that posts it you know like people are gonna listen to it and be like oh this is a good podcast host i'm gonna listen to the rest of his stuff i feel like i think that's hard though to get i don't somebody... know dude i think like if you start like looking you know how many people love to just talk about themselves especially like egoy famous people and like there's a lot of like people with large followings in Milwaukee that you could find that would be like, yeah, I'll talk about myself for an hour. That sounds awesome. You so you're know? saying I should just start shooting DMs to people. For sure. That's what I would do. I, yeah, I haven't done that at all. So maybe it's, I, it's, I should give it a shot. Podcasts are like 50-50. Like it's you promoting it, but then it's also whoever you have on promoting yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Honestly, so the, the not really business model, but the, the concept of the podcast was that I have a different person on every time. And obviously, it wasn't planning on being like a famous person. It's just somebody I know. Right. So that whoever that person knows, their friends would listen to it. Because, they, oh. you know, like, you know, Kendall's friends want to listen to what Kendall has to say. So they, they tune into this episode. And then, you know, maybe they like the podcast as a whole. So they listen. Maybe they want to be on it themselves. So, you know. Right. And then it kind of grows from there. But it's a very slow thing. 
Yeah. So could probably I, speed that, that up if I tried to like exactly. get influential people of some sort. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, maybe you just gotta find the right crew. Yeah. I don't know. Or I don't know, invest in But that is Instagram a cool that, ads. Yeah, but that's I mean, I like that. It is cool that you're just talking to like regular people. Yeah. You know, like you can listen to podcasts of famous i mean i guess you can listen to the podcast of normal people too however much you want but i think that's cool one thing about the um putting up physical posters for the bands that like i feel like yeah you're you're generally right that like, instagram is just a better bet oh my god do it. that's i feel like there's definitely especially for music too there's definitely like pockets of like culture like in certain cities like for instance in milwaukee like river west i feel like the river west people are definitely much more like less social media more like like analog yes so like i feel like if you wanted to get those type of people like putting up a poster in like you know bremen cafe like i feel like that's the kind of crowd that is going to appreciate the actual physical real life yeah advertising and like go to go to events based of posters they true and it it is like a thing where it's like maybe i do want the people like our shows like to be the people that appreciate like the old school, like the real way you're supposed to do it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The traditional way. And I don't know. Maybe I'm hoping for that kind of audience too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Try it. Yeah. Maybe it will. What's the worst that can happen? You end up right back where you are right That's now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. With your band, are you planning on making, like you're not going to sell CDs then you're thinking, but are you going to like Probably not. commission some album art or anything like that? Um, I feel like you gotta have like something for like the Spotify. For like. sure, yeah. The we already have. We're very blessed, and we have a lot of artists around us and photographers. Like we're just friends with you know people who are creative, and I think honestly we already have enough to choose from okay. of just random stuff for album art, but also like we have so many cool pictures of us too flying that we can use for like the backdrops. The spot that I'm really excited for like that part of it you know like getting the like yeah get the visual aspect of human ant farm like out there like i think that's gonna be cool i mean i guess we have an instagram but it's it me and my bandmates always joke that we just look like a boy band because <laughs> it's just you know just pictures of us i yeah. don't know <laughs> like it'll be cool though i'm really looking forward to it we're got some really really cool stuff and we're getting so much better too like how often do you guys practice? We try to practice twice a week, but it never happens. Oh, okay. So we're lucky if we practice twice a week, but it usually it's once. Do you like practice individually though? Like how, how often do you spend practicing mm, guitar? I, I practice a lot, at least I try to every day. If not every other day, I'll, okay. I'll play some guitar, or just learn a new song or whatever. You know, one thing um, I just remembered that Emma said to me recently, Emma uh, listeners for your information She's been on a few episodes. Um, I don't remember what the numbers were, but yeah, she's been on an episode, the podcast like twice. But she was telling me that she notices you like you like, come home from work or like, come from from school and then spend like twenty minutes practicing guitar and then like just you gotta leave for work. And so she she said like she she found that inspiring that like you're always like cramming in productivity and like trying to like pursue your goals mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, for sure. That's it's a blessing and a curse how much i'm like i can't be bored like i have to be doing something at all times and it's like it also becomes a thing where i feel like i i always want to seek out hanging out with someone at all times 
and because it it feels like like oh, I'm bored, I should be hanging out with someone. Yeah. But then I feel like sometimes when I have that mindset, I don't get you know like alone time to do guitar and stuff because right. maybe it's boring, more boring than hanging out <laughs> with people. But um, even when I'm alone and that's not you know hanging out with people isn't available. I'm still like that. Like I gotta be busy doing something. Yeah. Do you have ADHD? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Not, I, not I, I don't know. Though. No. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It doesn't inhibit me in any way. Yeah. I mean, maybe when it comes to like trying to focus on homework, I'm really bad at that. But like, I always get it done. And I. I don't know. I'm kind of not anti like getting like like obviously medication works for a lot of people but i don't think i need it you know yeah. I'm, I'm good yeah definitely over medicated anyway <laughs> and overdiagnosed as well i mean maybe I'd, i've always kind of wanted to try it to maybe see how it what adderall yeah or you know or what's the other one that adhd or vivans or something uh i don't know i, I don't know adhd i'm yeah <laughs> i don't know sure. I, I don't know maybe i maybe i should get tested or something maybe i could be even like way more productive if i like actually got properly i mean it sounds like you're plenty productive though maybe i could be more that's maybe true. it's just the that's true I, I think about that a lot I, I feel like i gotta try to be productive all the time like working on some sort of project or like getting mm -hmm. school work done or learning something or exercising whatever it is but i always think like i could just sleep less yeah but that's the thing i don't know was it you guys, you and Caden talking about on the podcast where if you could take a pill to not sleep, you would? Um, I don't remember if it was me and Caden. I, I, like I, 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 like, I don't know if you listened to the episode with me and my friend Ian, but it, I think we talked about that. Yeah, he, I think it, maybe that is where I heard it. But yeah, he, he was, I, I don't think I would do that. I think I like sleeping uh, too much to avoid it. But yeah, You're I think it was like for episode... more than half your life, though. Like imagine you I, could take a pill where you wouldn't get tired for like two days or something. And then maybe you had to fall asleep. Okay. Well, like, yeah, let's like see. I guess it depends on, on how this works because yeah, if it's like, I'm not just completely ruining my body by, by doing this and it's kind of like a magic thing where yeah. I can just, you know, don't have to sleep anymore. Then I probably do that. So I can have, yeah, the extra eight or whatever yeah. hours of I think that'd life. be awesome. But then again, I do really like sleeping. Yeah. I feel like it, it's kind of the same thing for eating, too. Sometimes, like, I love eating. Like, I love food. Like, I love a good burger. But it'd save you a ton of time if you didn't have to eat, but exactly. then you're missing out on that. And money. Like, oh, yeah. Like, it's money, such yeah. an inconvenience. Like, if I could just take a pill, that's probably sounds so bad and <laughs> not eat. But, like, I don't know. Yeah. Time and money. And then, but yeah, you'd miss out on the enjoyment of eating. And I feel like exactly. kind of feel the same way with the sleeping. Yeah, thing. Like, exactly. Like just think sleeping. about everything you could be doing to make money while you're sleeping. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've also like, I've always thought about if I could like clone myself, that would be so great. Yeah. Cause then I could just have one clone who like works and then one clone who enjoys life or, you know, they both work, but they, they, they switch you know, it off. They take so, like, shifts. Yeah. Take think shifts. about for like a long car rides. Like you could just have your clone like, <laughs> driving. You could just be like reading a book or something. The passenger if, seat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if, if, if our minds were connected somehow, that would be even better. That would be insane. Yeah. So then like you I can be just, I can be reading the book while I'm also not reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, if I don't have any podcast guests, I could just talk to myself.
Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess I could already do that. Would you ever do a solo? Um, I've thought about it once or twice in like different formats. Um, yeah. I remember like at the very beginning stages of starting up the podcast, I, I my idea was for the first episode, I wanted to do an interview with myself and pretend that I wasn't myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Like, would you change your voice too? Or? I wasn't. I don't know. I was. I wasn't planning on changing my voice or anything, <laughs> but I was just gonna like act like yeah. I was a different person, but answering my own questions. I think you should do that. I would listen to it. I think that would be cool. Because you're always the one interviewing someone else. No That's one's true. ever interviewing you. Yeah. I didn't do that. thought about it. But, and then another couple formats I was thinking, like, I've got some, like, videos that I've made over the years that are kind of more, like, uh, educational, like, persuasive, like, argumentative, like, speeches or, like, essays, basically. I could, like, take those and just kind of turn them into an mm. audio format. Yeah. But then I'm like, ah, oh, it's, like... That basically already exists. Like the the video already exists. I don't need to make it a, an audio only thing. So, yeah, could work. You yeah. see a lot of like, like I feel like on social media, I see a lot of like voiceover video stuff, like on TikTok and yeah. stuff. I don't know. Maybe combining two mediums could be cool. Maybe I'll do it at some point. But yeah. So back to your five year journey. Is there anything further after? What yeah. Happened? So yeah, I don't know. Basically, I in milwaukee playing in a band and still in the guard and that's where you're at that's kind of where i'm at i'm at i still play i sometimes i'll bounce back and forth uh between milwaukee and lacrosse and play bass for those other my old oh, yeah. friends in lacrosse okay. it's also really convenient that my guard unit is in lacrosse area oh okay so whenever i have to drive over there like i see those guys again so it's kind of nice yeah it's pretty cool how long have you been playing guitar for? Um, since like sophomore year of high school, but like there was probably a time in there where I didn't pick it up for a year. Hmm. So kind of just on, I was very on and off in high school. Like obviously beginning is like super intimidating and like, it's just hard. And like, if you don't see results, you're like, oh, this was boring. Like, I don't want to do this. But <clears throat> what like reignited that fire was playing with other people. Oh, okay. And that is the most fun thing I've ever done in my life is playing with other people. I've never really done that. Um, I've played various musical instruments throughout my life. And I was just intimidated by the idea of, of being in a band. Like I, I thought it was a cool idea and I wanted to do it. But also at the same time, I felt like, especially as a drummer, I felt like not good enough that I wouldn't like even want to do like a jam session because I feel like I would suck. Yeah, I I get that too. I understand that. Like I've definitely went over to like a new friend's house that I met in some class and we're like, you should jam sometime. And I, I do get that kind of anxiety of not being good enough. But what I've found is that what's cool about me playing guitar, I guess, is that I'm not even like really technically good. <laughs> like I, I just have like kind of my own style and yeah. I'm not, I'm not like traditionally trained or anything. Like I kind of just have over the years made my own style that I think sounds cool. And I think other people think it sounds cool too. And I feel like finding your own style can like kind of substitute for being skillful sometimes. Right. Yeah, I could see that. I guess I haven't found my own style musically anyway. You still play the drums? No, I, so, cause like, you know, I have an apartment, so like. Oh yeah. Well, electronic drums. Don't have electronic drum sets, and my drum set is just kind of sitting in my dad's house, all dusty. So I haven't played in years and years. Mm. But... Would you like to? Yeah, um, kind of miss it sometimes. It's, it was pretty fun. 
We do have a little keyboard though, um, and I've never really been very good at piano, but mostly my girlfriend plays that. But so there's at least like some musical outlet though. I've yeah, my, whatever skills I once had have been drained so much by not playing that now it's, it's, it's discouraging because it's like oh now I got to relearn stuff that I already knew. Yeah, but when you're relearning, what I found is like you kind of just got to relearn the like the bare basics like the bare bones and then you take that wherever you want it kind of like yeah. you manipulate it to make it sound how you want it to and it takes time and you know like just time with your instrument or whatever Jimi hendrix there's a Jimi hendrix quote i don't remember it exactly but he basically says that like true musical expression comes from someone who doesn't even know how to play the instrument because they're, you know, they're not following, like, the technical scales and, you know, like, yeah. like what's technically good. They're just making sounds that sound good to them, you right. know, which is the beauty of music, you yeah. know. It's, I think it's, it's obviously awesome to be really great in an instrument, but, like, I think it's even cooler if you're not good at it and you can make it sound cool, you know. Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's just, like, I've always liked the idea of, playing an instrument or like whenever, whether that be drums or guitar or whatever it is, just haven't made the time for it, I guess. Mm -hmm. I do get it. Like it is intimidating to, to learn those basics, but like everything's on YouTube now. That's like true. you That's true. it's not even talking about instruments. Like everything is on YouTube. Like me and Caden like figured out how to like do car maintenance and like everything is on YouTube. Like you yeah. can literally, Something's broken in your house. Look it up on YouTube. Something's wrong with your car. Look it up on YouTube. Like I, I found that that is a very good way to live. Like try to fix stuff and learn how to do stuff yeah. on your own. Because now, now there's no excuse to not. You have the whole internet. Yeah. Like literally everything is out there, and all you sometimes it's a two minute video, you know. Yeah. Before my car completely died, um, and I sold it, I did do that a few times there's like a, a few things that i was fixing with it just looking up youtube videos no idea what i was doing so what exactly was wrong my car had a long history of problems um okay like a year ago like most recently that i remember the um muffler the whole tube basically underneath the car as i was driving to work one day it fell off um and <laughs> there, there was this like little clamp thing yeah, yeah I, know, I know i know exactly so what it, it, it fell off but it was still connected to this one clamp so it was just hanging scraping on the ground so then there's this horrible horrible noise it was scraping and i was like what what is this so I, I looked underneath my car and just pulled that whole thing out threw it away so then after that my car was just really loud you pulled you threw your whole muffler away it was detached and it was rusted completely <laughs> it was just completely <laughs> destroyed i did get some my friend um Gave me some of this, uh, like, it's like liquid, like, like rust cleaner. Or... No, not rust cleaner. It's like a cement. It's I don't remember what it's called, but it's this stuff that you basically use to adhere things together, like, like a, rubber cement, rubber cement, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But you would spread it on, and yeah, then it, okay. it dries, and it just turns into cement, basically. Okay. You, you put that on the pipe to reattach it, even though it's just completely fucked up. Did you um, look it up how to fix it? That part I didn't do. Um, I just threw it away because I was like, mm. what? get rid of this muffler you know if if you said that to Caden, he'd be he'd be angry <laughs> <laughs> do you never tell Caden that you did that but um yeah i guarantee you could have looked it up it would have been a five dollar part at o'reilly's and 
Probably just another one of those clamp things. You just just stick it right back. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> anyway, the state of that giant tube. Yeah, it was like six t- feet long. And yeah, no, totally, intimidating. Probably totally rusted it. Um, so your so your car is super loud. It was now. super loud for like four months, and I was like, whatever, it's drivable. <laughs> um, and then it stops working. Like I was just trying to, I was trying to start it one day. Oh. Just wouldn't start. So then I just going through different steps to try and fix that, you know, like replacing the battery. So that's one thing you got to like go into YouTube for is, is like how to get this freaking battery out of the terminal and this, <laughs> this PT cruiser where it's like, oh, God, it's like jammed into this horrible position where you got to you got to really finesse it out of there. You replace the battery with a new one still doesn't start. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like try and jumpstart it through various methods that didn't work and then tried to like replace some stuff and then go into the fuses because like maybe the fuses were all you know like this the ignition fuse was broken Mm -hmm. or something maybe that was the problem to replace those did not work and eventually my car was just sitting there for like two months in my parking lot doing nothing not startable so i sold it Mm, i'm driving biking yeah sometimes it's unfixable on your own (laughs) yeah but then, yeah, before that, there was there was other problems like um, broken lights in the back that you'd like taillight. yeah, oh, taillights would like pop out and like uh, all the sorts of stuff like you know changing yeah. your oil and yeah, that is one thing me and Caden got really good at. Had to change your your tires for the first time when you oh, yeah. and then many tire problems over the years of that car too. It gets yeah, flats all the time. I drive a similar car to the PT Cruisers. I I, I drive a Scion XD, which is also like a compact yeah. car and i found it i find it really nice in the city for like parking and like parallel parking and stuff it's like a little city go-kart like it's the <laughs> best like i've always wanted like a truck or like a forerunner or something but like i don't know i feel like that would be such a pain having in milwaukee yeah know? one thing i really liked about the pt cruiser was that the car ends right where the um like back back window is it's so like when you're backing up. Oh, is it a straight? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like just wherever your car and like wherever your window that you're looking out of ends, that's just where yeah, your car is. So you don't have to have to like okay, do I have like three more, three extra feet hanging yeah. off the car? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess we were talking a little bit about um, the band life and making music and stuff, but I feel like you had a different angle of what you wanted to talk yeah. about with being in a band. Yeah. So what I've found is it's like it's not what a lot of people like tend to think where it's like oh you know you practice once a week you jam out you have fun you write music and it's all you know fun and easy that is not the case like first of all creative difference differences in a band with five people is tough you know that's and it's even crazier because all five of us have the most similar music taste ever we all love the same bands. We're all listening, you know, the slack rock, slow core, shoegate, like like these niche, like niche music genres is like what we all like really like. And we all have very similar tastes. And yet, even then, we still have so many creative differences. Like, it's crazy. Like when it comes to songwriting, like I think we should do this here, this, or, and even when it comes to songs that we want to cover, like yeah. just to fill up a set list. And it is part of it, there being five of us, because, like, obviously the more people, the more opinions get thrown in, but, like... Too many cooks in the kitchen. Exactly, yeah. But it's, that's normal. 
Yeah. You know, like that's something that all bands deal with, you know, and that's something that something you just got to get used to and learn how to deal with, you know, and how do you think most bands, at least maybe like most big bands that like get successful, like deal with that? Do you think there gets a point where like there's somebody who's more in charge over the you kind of do need creative direction. Sometimes. You kind of need someone to like be the like facilitator that takes control. Because I feel like, at least from an audience perspective, there's definitely always in a band the person who's the face or like right, like the front man, usually like the lead singer yeah. who's seems like they're yeah. the person who's in charge. But yeah. maybe that's not the case. No, and like, obviously every band is different, and there are probably a lot of bands where it's you know like the Jimi Hendrix experience where it's his band, yeah. you know? He is in control. Everybody's just playing, right. the, playing the songs. Or like, yeah, or just like bands where it's like there's one front man and everyone's kind of just filling in, yeah. doing stuff that the front man writes or whatever wants them to do. But a lot of bands like us are all kind of bringing stuff to the table and all have different ideas. And yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, we fight a lot. Not fight, fight, <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, There'll be nights that end or practices that end where we're like, uh, like just frustrated with yeah. someone because it's like, I don't, you know, maybe someone wants to write another part and you're like, I don't think it needs another part. Like it's good. Just stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I don't know if this would be like a good idea as far as practicality goes, but you could try kind of doing Taylor Swift's thing of like, <laughs> she's got like seven different editions of a song right you know, true like, so you could like write a song and then if somebody like likes some different stuff here just record it that way or play it that way and then right. play it a different way and then yeah i guess that would that would cost more money and eat up studio time but then you can have your spotify like album and it's like this song kendall's version this right. song keenan's version that is like kind of a good idea yeah you could also just release like the different like you pick like the best version that everyone kind of agrees is the best. And then you could release like home recorded demos of other versions too. Like I I always like the idea of releasing like home recorded demo stuff that doesn't necessarily make it onto the, you know, produced piece. A lot of those like differences, it's not even only creative differences either. It's like opinions on where we should record opinions on if we should be looking for shows right now or we should be writing right now or it's it's everything every little decision someone's gonna disagree it's (laughs) it's actually crazy like i can't and and we've been a band for a year we're still figuring it out whatever there's no stakes there's no money on the line i cannot imagine being in a big band where you're making you know thousand dollar decisions you know like Man, oh, that's stressful. And, and then and, having to decide, like, are we all just getting paid equally from these gigs? Or exactly. is somebody going to get paid more because, like, maybe they contributed more? Like, yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, like, this person left the band. What a hothead. But, like, or, you know, stuff like that. But there's so much that goes into it. Like, I, you really, it's like a relationship. You yeah. got to put in, you got to be, like, very understanding of everyone yeah. else and it's, it's like a polyamorous exactly <laughs> well not exactly <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's sometimes it can be hard but it in the end it's it's really cool that you know it's like a bunch of people coming together with a common enemy and that common enemy is to make something good yeah and that's <laughs> awesome you know it's it's so fulfilling when you finish something yeah Oh, no, I definitely feel that. Like, for the longest time, 
and I, even now in, in my life, I get these moments where it's like I've got some project or some goal, like creative endeavor that I'm like working on but not finishing it. Mm. And then there's some like some of those that just happens like, oh, no, it's not good enough yet. It's not good enough yet or, yeah. or whatever it is. But then when I finally actually have one that's complete, mm. yeah, that feeling of yep. like that is done and like I produced something, I, like I have some proof of a thing that I did. Yeah. And it's, it's I feel like part of why it's so satisfying too is because you start it and you don't finish it and you fumble with it for a long time and you're like, it frustrates you. Yeah. And then when you finally figure it out over a long time, you know, you're like, finally, like yeah. I can finally like just put it out there and start doing something else. Yeah. Like, you know, how many half written songs we have that, you know, we fumble with for at practice for months. I mean, there's songs that we still play around with that we you know, kind of started jamming when we first started, and we probably will keep playing them for however long we're a band for that we just won't figure out. And yeah. that that hurts, you know, that, that that sucks. But, like, when if you do once in a while, like, figure something out that you've been working with yeah. for a long time, that's such a good feeling. Is that, like, I don't know, is that everybody agreeing that, oh, no, this song's not ready yet or, like, it's not done yet or... Is that also a difference of opinion kind of thing where some people think it is ready mm-hmm. to go out? Exactly. That's oh, okay. actually, we're actually kind of struggling with something like that right now where we have a song that I think is perfect and it's done. But Sam, our bass player, he's like, no, dude, it's not even close. Like, it, <laughs> you know, and and it's just, I don't know, differing opinion. How have you guys been resolving those differences so far? Like we've got majority gotten... rules or something mm-hmm. like that? Kind of. Yeah. Majority rules. Like even if I'm wrong and everyone or like I disagree and everyone else is like, no, we got to do it this way. I like you just got to bite the bullet sometimes and be like, yeah, we're right. Like this, we're in a band together, you know, like, yeah. When we're getting really good at that now where we're like kind of starting to really understand what it's like to, you know, coexist with each other in this creative space. But man, at first it, man. Sometimes it gets heated, you know, because you're yeah. so, and everyone's so passionate about it too, where everyone obviously wants the best out of it. Yeah. And if someone else has an opinion that clashes with yours where you don't think it's going to be the best, that like, that sucks so much, like yeah. so much because your name's going to be on it, you know, like you're associated with it. You don't want to put something out that you're not proud of, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like simultaneously the best case and the worst case when everybody involved in the thing is passionate about it mm-hmm. because obviously with all that passion and every single member being invested you're going to get well you're, you have the potential of getting like the best result yeah but then you've got even stronger clashes where like yeah in those cases if it's like one front man and everybody else is just playing the music you might not have that same sort of energy involved in the actual music where right. it's just like the rest of the people are just you know getting yeah. their paychecks yeah, exactly. And we we have songs like that where like I feel like for every song that every one song that everyone's like all like this song's awesome, it's done, it's the best. There's probably six or seven just like, like one person ran, ran, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was almost in a band. Um well I was I was in a band. We just never played anything. Really? Um in like the 7th grade. Um There you go. There was I think yeah, it was like a School, um, talent yeah, school show. of oh, no, <laughs> not school of rock. You know what that is, yeah, though? like where you you like join the 
oh. the thing and they like just put you in a band with other kids that join. Yeah, yeah. Never did that. Did you? No, but Keenan did. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. But I was in band class. Um, That doesn't really count as much. That's like, you know, 30, 40 people. And I was, I was yeah. just one of the percussion players. But no, like I was in a, a band for like a month and we would have practices together where we would like write songs or like try to write songs anyway mm-hmm. didn't practice actually playing the songs very much and then we were like planning on playing on a talent show and it just didn't happen oh. <laughs> like do you ever like wish that it did like yeah back like, and you're like oh it would have been so awesome it would have been cool but i think all of us were just like too um full of like self-doubt in our abilities anyway so it was like let's try and make a band but none of us were actually confident enough to make it happen yeah yeah that first show for the first time doing something publicly that you know maybe it's new that you're not experienced with like that is very scary yeah what was that like was it at your own place or did you have no, a no it was it was at chiba hut <laughs> oh you had a first That's cool. first show was at chiba hut yeah so it was for like a emma was putting on like an unpacked like uh, legalized weed kind of event yeah thing. yeah we threw down at Chiba Hut. It was awesome. I think we played like a 10-minute set. <laughs> and we opened for Scam Likely, which is like one of the biggest bands in Milwaukee. And they're awesome. But And like for that to be our first show, it was really cool. So was that like the, one of the first times you were playing in front of a crowd of people? Or that was the first. That was the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and other than like sometimes we'll have like parties at our right. house and we'll all be, you know, drinking and we'll all pick up the instruments and people, you know, be up like watching us. But if you count that, but I don't really think that. Oh, okay. It's basically like we're just jamming out or practicing and yeah. other people are there. But, okay. yeah, that was our first, like, organized, like, come see us thing. That was a free show? Or did you get yeah. money off of that? Yeah, it was, er, it was a free show, but we got paid for it because Unpacked was putting it on, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's like a... How would you describe it? Like a political... It's like a get out the vote, like get out the convincing vote people to be politically engaged. Yeah, so Unpacked like paid us to be there, but it was free okay. for anyone who wanted to go. Gotcha, come. yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. And now actually we have... Have you heard of the washroom? I feel like I have. The Is wa- that it's, somebody's basement? Yes, it's a DIY basement venue in yeah. Milwaukee. It's it's awesome. It's gets sold out every... They, they do probably like one or two shows a month it sells out every time it's right by campus probably because like all the freshmen like walk there pay 10 bucks yeah you know can get drunk or whatever and go down there and it's just something to do also but it's so fun and i love it and that was one of the first like things i found when i moved here was the washroom like i'd be like yeah let's go watch some live music here they always have good bands there and i remember thinking like wow like doesn't seem like much because it's just a basin but i was like oh it would be so cool to play here like all these bands that play here are so good and now we have our washroom uh show scheduled for november 25th so like a month like a month away that's pretty cool first time playing there yeah first time playing there and like i don't just i just know it's gonna be awesome like it's like it was a very like it was a good like i remember saying like I want to play here within the next like year of us being in a band. And w- now it's like happening, yeah. you know, like it's, it's not a huge goal, but like, no, it's, it was it's big so cool for me at yeah. the time. Like starting out, it did seem huge. Like, I don't know. This is really cool. So when you say the washroom gets sold out, 
how many people do you think uh, you had a ballpark? So I actually know exactly oh, wow. because I've been paid to work the door there. Oh, it's a, I think it's one forty. They can fit a hundred. Like that's a lot of it people. Is. It's somebody... it's it's <laughs> ass to mouth down there, it's, and, and you always walk away with like a cough, <laughs> you know, some frat flu. It's it's gross, but that's part of the experience, yeah. you know. It's and the, since they they've been doing it for a while now, like it's been improving because they're getting they're making money, they're yeah. bringing money in, and I don't know, like I've just noticed like they're getting like new signs on the walls and like now they're paying a sound guy to be there oh it's getting more and more yeah legit yeah like they they got like this crazy like professional pa system and like the sound down there is just like getting better and better which that's cool super cool so i guess for shows like that and just in general i'm kind of always wondering about the logistics of things like i'm guessing you bring your own instruments but do you have to bring your own sound stuff like bring your own speakers um or do they have those? So usually bands will bring like their own amps because that's very like your amp affects like your tone and right. how you sound. Like you'll tweak your amp settings to make it how you want it to sound. So yeah. a lot of like especially guitar players want their own amps and stuff. But bass players a lot of the time won't bring their own amp just because it's such like a low frequency and there's not much. I mean, there's a lot of different like t- like variety and tonality you can have in bass, but like not really compared to guitar and like it because like it does kind of blend in with kind of the background sometimes and a lot of like the music that's being played at the washroom and a lot of these like punky kind yeah. of sounding music shows a lot of the time like whoever whatever band that's playing that night has the biggest bass amp will just bring theirs and like everyone will use it and then same with the drum kit whoever's got like the best kit oh, okay. they'll bring the drum kit and then each individual drummer will bring their breakables. That's called like their cymbals and their snare. Like basically the stuff that breaks the most. <laughs> Do people actually break cymbals that often? Um, you'd be surprised. Like they maybe I haven't been going hard enough on mine, but I've yeah, never maybe not. Cymbals. Yeah, they get chipped and stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, if you buy nice cymbals and stuff, they'll last you long. But like eventually, yeah, it might crack or chip. I guess it makes sense for like how annoying it would, would be to change out a drum set all the time, but I'm kind of surprised because I feel like playing on a different drum set is going to change your sound a lot for sure, too. For sure. And sometimes like while bands are setting up, they'll the drummer will like tune, tune, yeah. tune the drumming. But yeah. I don't really know how that works, but to more fit their sound. Yeah, yeah. You got the the drum head is like the different tightness is going to change the mm-hmm. pitch of the, the drum. Okay. And also the diameter too. So if you're playing on somebody else's drum set, you might not even be able to achieve your same sound at all True. if they have a different diameter tom-tom than you're used yeah. to. Yeah. So like Yeah, and like if you show up and it's like super different, you're kind of just screwed, you know? Yeah. Like there's really not much you can do. Yeah. It's I remember like I don't know, I've seen a few live shows where I feel like the lack of the band having like their all their own stuff like whether it's maybe their, their their sound settings are just right or their own instruments or whatnot has really fucked up their whole sound oh yeah i saw angels and airwaves um mm. a few years back and they were playing mm. with cage the elephant and cage the elephant sounded great but angels and airwaves sounded like totally off from what mm. they've sound sounded like at other concerts yeah. and especially what they sound like recorded and it just seemed like the whole setup that they were given at at the concert was not at all like conducive to the vibe that the yeah. band has. Yeah, that's it's stressful because I don't know. Have you ever seen us play? Like I've seen you guys like jam, but okay. I haven't like gone to like. A, 
Yeah. Is that... So have you seen like our pedal boards? They're called that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's basically this big chain of audio effects that we spend way too much money on, and each pedal goes into each other, and you plug your guitar into the yeah. pedal. The pedal plugs into the next one, and then it eventually runs out into your amp. And each yeah, one of these pedals much. does a different thing. Like it'll make it like sound like from clean to like super fuzzy or add reverb or atmosphere to your sound or whatever. The more pedals you have, the more things that can go wrong are. And in our case, Chase and I both have huge pedal boards. And so we actually played a show at Bremen and everything was so messed up it was like just from like moving it and stuff and we were like right in front of the crowd so the crowd was like they were moshing and stuff and they're falling on my pedal board like <laughs> like moving our knobs and stuff so like it didn't it didn't even sound anything like it was crazy it was craziness it was chaos it's and that's like super stressful too yeah. like i remember like everyone came up after like, you guys sounded awesome whatever and chase was like defeated because all his settings were messed up he's like this, like it didn't sound anything like how we practiced or yeah. anything just because you know his thing kept coming unplugged like nothing was working all his settings were messed up and it like like it in his eyes even though he's playing the same notes and everything yeah. just ruined the whole and show even if the audience enjoyed it yeah it just, yeah he knows what it's supposed to sound like mm -hmm. yeah exactly that sucks <laughs> it does suck yeah it's kind of funny though it, it is funny interactive band performance yeah. intentionally yeah. yeah it's something that you like kind of got to get used to though now we expect stuff like that to happen so yeah it, yeah it was funny i was like standing like my back to the audience like protecting my, <laughs> <laughs> my board and you can just there's videos of us and you can just tell that we're like visibly kind of annoyed <laughs> like like that people are you know flopping all over the place on our stuff so yeah that's silly <laughs> <laughs> so um one other subject that uh we haven't touched on yet but oh, I, I know you wanted to talk about um was like the appeal of thrifting because <laughs> yeah um, that's like a Seems Total random. turn. Yeah, but it is a abrupt turn. But I know that you've been making some money selling some yeah some clothes. So I guess first off, like, what got you into that, and how long you been doing that? Yeah, I always grew. My dad, he's always he's always been kind of a cheapskate, like bargain hunter. Oh, like okay. would always be looking for the good deal, and would always like barter with people and negotiate, and like, you know, kind of like that kind of. And basically, we would, we, as a kid, I would just bum around with him and we'd hit thrift stores and rummage sales and stuff just like to look for cool stuff. Like, yeah. not even looking for anything in particular, just going because sometimes you could find something really cool for like 50 cents, you know? Yeah. And um, it got to a point where he started to make like a lot of money off doing it because he started his eBay page back in like probably like 2010 or 2011 i just watched him you know like find a harley davidson t-shirt at a rummage sale and then go home and put it on the internet for like 85 bucks and it'll sell it within two hours wow. like and it got to a point where he was funding like family vacations by doing this That's crazy it was awesome and and he's a firefighter too so he works like two days on like he'll work through the night 
and then um he'll have like four days off so then he would just use those he's a lot like me he can't like stay still he's always gonna be doing something and he uses these four days to like go thrifting or whatever and look for treasures it's funny because his, his name on ebay is four day finds too it kind of <laughs> works so yeah that's kind of how i got into it and then one day i was at i was in high school i was probably like a freshman or sophomore i was very i was pretty young and i remember looking in my closet and being like i have so many clothes just from like going with my dad and like just getting random stuff that i thought looked cool so I'm like, I, I kind of just want to get rid of it. So I started this Instagram page called Kendall's Vintage. And like all my friends from high school, like every, a bunch of people from my high school and kind of surrounding high schools, eventually kind of started to follow it. And I would just post pictures of random stuff with a price under it. And then people would DM me and be like, I want this. And then I'd be like, all right, do you want me to drop it off? Because that's like a $5 delivery fee. <laughs> and it got to a point where I'd be bringing like two backpacks and a duffel bag to school every day and i was walking around with this big wad of cash just from kids buying stuff from me i would drive out to like have you been to fox valley at all it's it's like there's like a bunch of schools in a small area oh, okay. and i was like i had like the whole Appleton North crowd in. I had all of Appleton East, and I went to Kimberly so I had like all these different high schools and I I would always just have people like grabbing stuff out of my mailbox and leaving cash and my mom always thought it was weird she's like you could be selling anything and I wouldn't even know because <laughs> it was weird like people would just show up grab a sweatshirt out of my mailbox and leave like a ten dollar bill or whatever just leave like the stuff you're selling in, yeah in like the like if i was gone or something i'd be like all right i'll leave it in the mailbox like oh, just pretty trusting I was kind of surprised people follow through and well i mean leave the cash i mean i know who they are oh, okay. you know like they're dming me with their personal instagram gotcha. but none of this could have been possible with the opening of the goodwill outlet in appleton in 2013 i want to say so, either so before that there wasn't a goodwill there was, there's Goodwill, normal Goodwills, but do you know what a Goodwill outlet is? No. So they bring out these big blue bins, like on wheels, and they're filled with all the clothes that doesn't sell at the normal Goodwills. Oh, okay. So like all the Goodwills in like the Midwest would like send all their stuff that didn't sell to this Goodwill, and you would just go through these piles of clothes, and you'd buy them for like a dollar and nine cents per pound at and it was awesome um because there there wasn't many outlets at the time and i was lucky enough for one open up in my yeah. hometown so me and my dad were like we started to hit that like religiously like <laughs> and he, it was at a time where he, he would make a lot of money on hats back then i remember like because it's something that a lot of people collect okay but now they don't even bring out hat. Like, it's just gotten worse, and now everyone knows about it, and it's all picked through, and it's super oh, okay. competitive, and there's a billion other guys doing the same exact thing, looking for the same stuff as you. And so, but now it's all just part of the game, kind of, like. Have you, like, talked to your dad? Do you know if, like, the he's had more trouble making money, or, like, has he made less money than in those earlier days? Has, like, gotten harder and harder, or has he managed to... It it keep basically competition. it stays pretty consistent if you keep working at it. Like if you keep going and keep posting, 
you'll keep making like it really is like you'll make as much money as much you want to work like like you gotta if you put in the hours you'll make the money yeah because back then back in the day when no one was really doing it he would get all the good stuff so he would make a lot of money because he was getting all the good stuff but then it, more people started doing it he would get less stuff but then there was more people looking for that stuff yeah so it kind of stayed steady and like at, in the past five years like secondhand clothes or like the thrifted like vintage aesthetic has just gotten like right so popular yeah one thing i don't understand uh is the popularity of carhartt like oh my god <laughs> i used to work at in gander mountain they're just you know we'd sell carhartt and now it's like people are paying more than we used to sell it for at the mm-hmm. store yeah, I'm guilty for that. Just to look like they're a carpenter. Yeah. No, it's weird. It's it's workwear. It's that workwear aesthetic. It's I'm so guilty of it. I mean, look, I'm, I think these are yeah, these are cards. Oh yeah, you got yeah. the cards on right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I it's I don't know what why it's desirable either. It just is. It's one of those weird trends. It's like I don't I don't know. It's so being a person who is selling like vintage clothes, you don't that doesn't like provide you any insight on why these things become popular in the first I mean, place. Do you like do you notice like trends and where they come from? Yeah, for sure. It's always it always changes obviously and I can kind of see a lot of it like right now like super baggy pants are in. Yeah. yeah. Baggy Y2K like early 2000s fashion is in because you know it's like a nostalgic time for a lot of the people who are you know in the eye of the public now like the cool like you know the gen xers or whatever yeah or gen z or i don't know what is it what are you millennials i think no millennials are are out of style now it's a you're the, i'm talking about like the cool young people they wouldn't have experienced the 2000s then you know the gen zers they'd be like four true but it was like nostalgia for what their parents were wearing. Well, and like the cool kids at that time when you were or like the kid. movies, maybe they were watching. Exactly. Yeah. Like I always remember when I was younger, like my babysitter had like the oh, okay. coolest clothes, ever, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. And also it has to do with like music too. Okay. Like whatever music's in or even pop culture as a whole, like whatever's in the clothes, like completely reflects, obviously. Yeah. But the workwear, the Carhartt thing, that's that's something that's hard to explain. It's like yeah, I wonder where that one comes from. It's like utility, like very functional. Like I don't know. I guess like for some reason I've always thought like old school like mechanics looked cool. Really? Okay. You know, like just like overall beat up overall. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a common experience that a lot of people have. Like a lot of people think that's like a cool Americana, hardworking, right. blue collar <laughs> look. And it's like cool. Yeah. I guess. I don't know why. But it's also the, it's kind of the same effect that like old military clothes has too. Because that's another really hot thing mm-hmm. that always sells is um, like Vietnam era, like pants, <laughs> like standard issue pants and stuff. And it's like. It's cool because, like, you look at the old pictures of it and they look so cool and badass yeah. and you want to look like that, maybe. All right. Maybe that's the appeal. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, that kind of seems to happen. I'm, I'm not somebody who's super in tune with fashion trends ever, but 
I, even I noticed that these things kind of come in cycles. Like there's always stuff that comes back yeah. like 20 years later for whatever reason, or I guess do, in, what, in that case, 60 years later. Yeah. Do you like it? Do you, do you think the in style thing right now, do you think it's cool? Um, I think it's goofy. I don't know. I can't, some of the some of the styles that are going on right now, like the the baggy pants that are like you know the, the super wide legs. Like mm-hmm. I kind of hate those to be honest. But <laughs> really, <laughs> they're, they're... like uh, like the Jenkos yeah. and stuff. Oh, I think those are so sweet. <laughs> I mean, skateboarding fashion too is like skateboarding has a huge effect on fashion, yeah. especially within the last like fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. And that like baggy Jenko like. That's directly comes from skate fashion. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was definitely a skater as a kid, and I was into the, the, the skate fashion of the time. But that was back then. Was more like uh, like skinny jeans almost. Yeah. What year was it? Like more like two thousand. Like two thousand like, like, like yeah, like ten doesn't around that time. Yeah, kind of more of like a early tumbler. Yeah. Not even. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that. Huge. Um, shoes that like yeah the Osiris yeah Osiris I had some Osiris's yeah the new Osiris's I think are really sweet I haven't seen the new and ones. I used to be like you I remember thinking like oh these kids with the baggy pants and like the tap out t-shirts and like the the beanie on and like they just look so like punky and trashy and, <laughs> and now I'm wearing that stuff and it's just, like I think it's cool but yeah. I would have never thought I would have ever wore anything like that like I would have thought like that it's if I would have shown my younger self what I'm wearing right now I would have thought I would like this like just super weird yeah my, my feel like my my style has not changed at all I've just been wearing basics what don't I'm gonna just... norm core <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever uh just get bored of that well okay so it's like kind of like your dad I guess I'm cheap but in the way that I just don't want to spend any any money on on clothes. Yeah. So it's like my my closet isn't very big, and I don't know. I I also don't want to spend like that much time thinking about what to wear. So today. you also don't like really care necessarily. Yeah. yeah, not really. Okay. See, I I'm not like that in the sense where if I pick out an outfit for the day that I am not really feeling, I'll like automatically have like kind of an off day. Like, it's just a bad start to my day, I guess. It's weird. I don't know. And I, th- I find it, like, a very expressive yeah. thing. No, I can see that, yeah. It seems like most people do. Yeah. They, they try to express themselves with their clothing. Do you think you guess... ever, ever could get into it, or do you think it's kind of a lost cause at this point? I don't know. Maybe, like, if I got into a position where I was, like... Being perceived heavily, or yeah, yeah. I guess like if I was some public figure, or like, maybe like making a lot of money, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Might as well, yeah, yeah. Okay. My current state, I don't see that happening. I mean, hey, it's a good time for a cheapskate to get into fashion. With. That's true with the popular thrifting for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. Do you think? Um, because this is something I've I've been hearing about from various people that I know that like the gentrification of like thrifting. Do you yeah. think prices? Of, like, thrift stores such as, like, Goodwill or, like, St. Vincent de Paul or whatnot. Or, like, Antiques on Pierce. It's a more local one. Like, have they been going up over time? Yeah, it's ridiculous now. I mean, like, there's this thrift store in my hometown that now they just, like, understand. Like, they know what people are, like, reselling this stuff for. And, like, now their their prices are, like, straight up, like, what you would what see it on eBay out? for. Yeah, I'm trying to cut out the middleman and just be mm-hmm. the resellers. Yep. Yeah. And it sucks, but 
There's also some other weird things with that too, where it's like thrift stores are there for people who can't afford retail clothes at the mall or whatever. And that is kind of a problem. That, that kind of, yeah, it's fucked up a little bit when like Goodwill is it supposed is. to be for serving poor people. Yeah. And if they're going to mark up their prices because people are reselling, then who's serving the poor people? Exactly. And reselling isn't necessarily, I don't think, unethical. And because, first of all, you're not supporting the production of new clothes. And that's obviously a huge environmental concern. Right, yeah. uh, When it comes to, you know, like, use of water and just, like, like, bad labor conditions and stuff like and just the amount of textiles that just go to waste like exactly. h&m and like oh, sheen yeah. like every year Yo, just oh like God. landfills the, of just the fast unsold fashion clothes. is horrible yeah. and, and like the quality of that stuff is horrible yeah. and like when you find a good vintage shirt like it's old but they're like they don't make them like they used to you know like, no, like that's true like they they're last really years good yeah an h&m shirt which might last for sure year. yeah it's it's in that sense it's like very green and ethical oh yeah and um i more think that raising the prices at thrift stores isn't necessarily the reseller's fault but more goodwill's fault because i used to work for goodwill myself and i think goodwill's evil yeah <laughs> that might be a hot take but like i know like emma and kaden kaden used to work, for, used to work yeah. Goodwill, yeah they i just it leaves a weird taste in my mouth. They are getting everything for free. Right. You got to think about Oh, yeah, about it's just donations. It. It's, yeah. it's 100% profit other than, you know, paying your their workers. workers. Yeah. But their workers, a lot of the time, are special needs, which means that... Do they like government subsidy or something? Well, when I worked there, at least, the special needs people that would work there would be like volunteers. Wait, so, so they they're not even paying them? No. And I know some of them, like, are getting paid. But the one at the time that I was working at, like, they, there was special needs people who were not getting paid. Why are they Because they were volunteer. I don't know. I don't know. And, like, it's just weird that that's, like, kind of their business model is, like, helping those people. But they're kind of exploiting them a little bit. Yeah. I did not know about that. It's bizarre. It's weird. And just the way they, like, run those stores is, like, ridiculous, too. Like it's just very strict and it's like it's just a capitalist you know obviously like it's honestly the perfect business model like like selling shit that you get for free like (laughs) yeah like that's awesome but they're like i don't know it's just weird and like you're selling garbage really at the end of the day (laughs) why why is like a normal t-shirt like 12 dollars there like that's ridiculous you know like that's the average price of probably like a t-shirt there now is like yeah around 10 to 12 dollars it is kind of just weird because like they used to presumably be making money just fine when they were selling stuff for a dollar exactly and then they notice other people are making money so they are going to make more even though they're already doing just fine like, yeah and the other thing is when i worked there is now they they added like an e-commerce bin in the sorting room where you would like sort like oh like t-shirts go over here whatever if a customer would bring in something that seemed like it would be worth a lot of money you would throw it in the e-commerce bin so someone brings in a xbox they would put it in the e-commerce bin what they would do with the e-commerce bin is they would sell it online they wouldn't even put it on the floor they'd sell it online for like way more so like uh it just (laughs) makes me mad 
And yeah. they'll do that with clothes too. Like when they see certain brands come through, they'll throw it in the e-commerce bin. That's like the the good brand. Yeah, or like like the, people really like, like. Oh, someone donates a Louis Vuitton bag or something. Yeah. Like, Wait. So did you quit Goodwill just because you hated working there and it was like evil, or was there a different reason? Honestly, I quit there because I was just like working a shift there one day. I was like 15 years old, and I'm like, I'm so bored right now. Oh, okay. I should just, <laughs> I should just walk out and never. Come <laughs> that's exactly what I did, which I regret doing because that's never a good thing to do. Yeah, and I will never do it. Yeah, I'll never do it ever again. But like, but I just feel like for somebody like you who is already like right. selling vintage clothes, it'd be a great job because then you can kind of maximize your time or like double up. Like you're getting paid to work there. And at the same time, you can you're be scoping out in. and like, you can be scoping out like, oh, I should just buy this later yeah. and resell it. Like, well, they had a rule where employees, workers, employees could had to wait for something to be on the floor for three days. Oh, okay. Until you could buy it. Was there any uh, employee discounts? Yeah. I think it was like 10%. I, honestly, I think it was higher than that. I think it was pretty good. Actually. I think it was closer to 20 what I would do is like, you know, like the rat, how like the racks have like two rows right next to each other. <laughs> you would hide stuff in the middle of those two <laughs> rows. Like there was like a bar where I would have like 15, 20 shirts, like when yeah. I'm putting stuff out on the floor, I just sneak it in there. And then if I didn't want to wait the three days, I'd just have like my dad. Yeah. Come oh, in. No, and that's buy. a great I'd idea. Like, yeah. yeah. Go in aisle seven in the middle of the, like under the clothes rack, you'll see my stash. <laughs> Um, I actually did it with an electric guitar once. I've never seen an electric guitar. Goodwill. Well, I was, someone drives in, they drop off a guitar. I was super tight with this old lady that was, uh, that would price everything. I brought it to her. I was like, can you throw like four bucks on this thing? I was supposed to put it in the e-commerce bin. And then I just like slid it behind a shelf and had like my, my buddy Tyler come in and just buy it right away. <laughs> like... Honestly, if I didn't quit, I probably would have gotten fired for doing <laughs> stuff like that anyways. So. Was that the guitar that you started with? Or was that just a... No. Okay. It was... Uh, yeah, it was, wasn't was anything crazy. It, I mean, it was still like a good like $200 guitar, but it was still like a beginner guitar. It was like a Squire. Like, did you take like keep that because you thought it was cool? Or did you resell it? I actually traded it to one of my friends for another guitar. Oh, okay. Which I still have. Yeah, why is it, I guess I can get some of it, but like, it just seems kind of crazy to me how many people drop things off at Goodwill or wherever, or like leave them on the side of the road when they could totally make money off of these mm -hmm. things by reselling them. Like, yeah. I was taking a walk the other day or like last week or so, and there's like a perfectly good couch somebody just puts out and they could make, at the very least, you could make 50 bucks on Facebook Marketplace. For sure. Then, like for very little effort. I mean, a lot of it too is like people just like, they don't want to deal with it. Like... I just want to get rid of it. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I just want it out of my living room. I'm getting a new one. Like, stuff like that. It's like, I agree, though. I'll never be someone like that. I'll always try to make a buck out of anything <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, and then, like, dropping the stuff off Goodwill. I've dropped some stuff off Goodwill. So I guess I am guilty of it in some cases. But it's always been clothes that are really old. Hey, I, I drop stuff off at Goodwill, too. The stuff that I get that I'm sitting on for a while that never sells. Sell. Put it back into the cycle. Right. Let yeah. someone else get it. Yeah, people drop off, like, really good stuff without trying to, you know, make a buck or whatever, which is kind of silly. But on the contrary to that, people will bring in literal garbage. Yeah. Like, 
garbage. <laughs> Which I understand, like, sucks for Goodwill that they have to, like, go through sorting that and stuff, you know. Maybe just for Goodwill because that's your experience. But, like, what is the process there? It's just it's completely subjective. Like, whoever's sorting it just decides if it's garbage or not? No, or there's, there's, like, there's a... like a there's like a baby clothes bin and then like like you like sort it like t-shirts go in this you know uh like decorations go in this bin whatever and then it goes to someone who and they have like this whole like criteria of how to price something where it goes by like brand condition all this stuff and like that's kind of more up to whoever's pricing that day so you're like a broken n64 in you still sell that just label it broken i don't really remember i feel like i feel like if something like that came in we would still put it out yeah but um i mean we we, there was like outlets and stuff that you could like try plugging stuff into and but i would never really buy an electronic from there anyways which is stupid because i feel like a lot of good electronics come through i just never look for them but maybe i'll start with what you've been selling, is it all clothes or mostly clothes? Or like... Mostly clothes, shoes, and hats. I want to really get into, um, it's funny because I just said I never look for any electronics, but I, I want to start getting into buying and fixing speakers and selling them. Because me and Caden, my roommate, found out that they're like pretty simple. Oh, really? <laughs> and like soldering is like not as hard as a lot of people think a lot of people will buy or a lot of people first of all just give away speakers that are blown or broken and pretty easy to repair like rewire clean up refoam or whatever and you can flip those for crazy amounts too and it's cool like i I love music like i have a pretty kick-ass speaker system myself and i like i love that stuff so it sounds like a useful skill too to learn how to yeah. fix those up also because like that could translate into like like wiring like amps and like guitars and like yeah. that would prevent me from spending even more money on that stuff by like yeah, taking it exactly. in when it's broken yeah that'd be cool how do you track or do you track like money that you're making on things because i imagine if you're buying a bunch of stuff and then maybe you're not selling or you're selling some of it right away, but some of it you're sitting on for a while mm-hmm. and then maybe you sell eventually. Like, how do you know if you've actually turned a profit on these things? Do you keep well, spreadsheets? Well, I only, I should, I really should, but I, I go to the bins and this is buying stuff for like by the pound. So yeah. I know that I'm getting a lot of like these t-shirts for less than a dollar. Oh, okay. So, I mean, maybe for like a heavier leather jacket, it might be like closer to 10 bucks or something or eight bucks. But like, I don't know. I kind of just guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I feel like a lot of people, especially when it's like along the lines of uh, the kind of multi-level marketing schemes, which is definitely not what you're doing, but it's just <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking of. Like people who are, are like selling, they're buying and selling a product and then they think they're making money, and then it turns out that they're actually not. That they're actually losing yeah. money on it. Yeah, I take hits sometimes. Like, like if there's something, I realized once, like I sold something on on Depop, and which is like a app and website yeah. for reselling clothes. Sold something on there, and I realized that it costed more for me to ship it 
<laughs> than what I sold it for. And that was like when I first started doing that and I offered free shipping because they would say like, oh, it's twice as likely to sell if you offer free shipping. So okay. I was like, oh, I'll do that. And then I realized I kind of started losing money yeah. and, or or making like a dollar or two on something when it's like I shouldn't, you know. So I started charging people for shipping <laughs> eventually. You live and you learn with that. Yeah. But that, that's been awesome. Depop is... Yeah, I've never used it, but I've definitely heard a lot about it. It seems... Like it's exploded in popularity. With oh, it's awesome. Thrifting. I mean, you can just find like awesome stuff for cheap on there. And you can also sell garbage on there and people will buy it. <laughs> yeah. Have you made a lot of money like mm, yeah. doing this? Yeah. When I first really got into it, I was like the most into it. But now like with school right right now, my schedule is pretty busy and yeah. I haven't been able to do it as much as I want. But, um, I mean, I've been able to get along pretty well without having, like, an actual job. Like, obviously, I get the army checks and stuff. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's I've paid rent with it a couple times, and that that's a good wow. feeling. Yeah. You know, because the, the other thing is, is, like, I keep some stuff, too. Like, and I get to wear it and feel yeah. cool. And, like, another thing is, like, I will, if I get something cool, I'll add it to my own wardrobe and then I'll get rid of like two other things because right. I just got something new. So yeah. I kind of always have like a revolving wardrobe that's constantly evolving with the times, which is awesome too. That like definitely kind of would, because you were asking me if I would, I would change like my yeah. style or not. Like, I feel like that is a method that would definitely help with that. Cause then yeah. you're not really like spending the money right. on your wardrobe. You're kind of making money on changing your own wardrobe. Exactly. So yeah, that is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. I, okay, this, this is something I was thinking a while back, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. On it, but maybe like around 2012 or 13, something like that. Maybe it was 2013. Do you remember the song by Macklemore, uh, Thrift? Oh Park? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me and my dad used to get hyped to that, like in our minivan driving to store. Do you think that song was responsible, or at least you know, had an effect <laughs> on like the popularity of thrifting? Maybe. Because, I don't know, maybe this is just me placing some dots, connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. But I feel I think, like maybe, I, like, around when that song came out, that's when it started to really ramp up. Yeah, probably. Could just be coincidence or not related to that song. But I mean, I think a lot of people looked at that song as, like, goofy. Like, like yeah. Like, he was, like, trying to be funny. Like, he was. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. look, I'm so fly and, like, in, like, this fur coat. Right. He's wearing but, a ridiculous outfit and stuff. But like, I, but, like, it's true. Like, it is, like, you can make anything look cool. Yeah. And he was, like, saying that. But I think it was more satire yeah. than, like, being, like, yo, this is actually, like, super cool and everyone should be doing it. That's true. That's true. But then, it, yeah, because it, it definitely caught on after that. Because that song came out in, like, 2013. Yeah. Which... Not to be that guy, but me and my dad were doing that, like, before. at that time and before. But, like, it really didn't catch on until, like, probably, like, 2017, 2018. Okay. I don't even know. Maybe even later than that. Really? Like, I don't know. Definitely not then. Like, it okay. wasn't, like, a huge hustle that everyone was into in 2013. Okay. I know that for sure. All right. So, not because of that song, then. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I think it was just something that people laughed at. I feel like we hit on most of the subjects, but did you have something that you wanted to say that I didn't um, ask you about about military thrifting? I, mean, I could have been a band. I could have talked about the military thing forever. 
Oh, wait, there was actually one thing you were saying. You wanted to talk about the activation? Yeah, it was just like the getting activated for riots and yeah. having to drop out of EMT school and like it being actually super hectic, but I think I hit on that. Oh, okay. Were you uh, activated for the Kyle Rittenhouse thing? Yes. Yeah, you yep. were there for that? Well, I wasn't there at that one. Okay. But like that time, that time. it was that same exact time when... Because, yeah, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing happened at a Jacob Blake. Oh, he was at that, that same I think, one. did it? I don't remember, honestly. I, I, I it... should remember. I don't know. Like, I was literally, like, firsthand. Like, yeah. I was there. Like, I was involved with all that stuff, and I don't even remember. Actually, yeah, you're probably right. I think the Jacob Blake shoot- shooting happened, and then there were riots because of that. And then, and then he, the Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. I'm pretty was sure. Riots? I'm pretty sure that's how it happened yeah, too. Yeah. And I I wasn't at the actual Kyle Rittenhouse day that one. Yeah. But I was in Kenosha like during that like handful of right when everything was going crazy. Like yeah. I remember I was activated on January sixth. Oh really? <laughs> when all that went down. And were I were there like local riots on January sixth day or like not in Wisconsin really? Oh, okay. I don't think. Oh, did you go to different states for? No, I was. I stayed. At, I was only activated in Kenosha, Racine, and Madison, and this okay. was all like within like a couple weeks when okay. everything was crazy. Yeah, but I had friends that were there <laughs> that I like met at basic training that were at the White House and stuff in response to that and. Wow. I remember just thinking, like, what the hell? Like, this is, like, I've picked a bad time <laughs> to do this. But, I mean, it ended up, I've had, what, like, three World War Three scares now, and, like, nothing horrible has happened yet. Yeah. Knock on wood. Sorry. That, that was annoying. Yeah. Now with, like, the Israel stuff. And oh, right, right, right. That's, I mean, it, it first was when we killed that, like, ISIS leader or whatever, that big one i don't know there was just a couple oh, and then ukraine yeah, when ukraine, ukraine started yeah. i was like oh god here we go and then that ended up being fine for me at least but like i haven't had to do anything for that and now well are you are you not deployable until your unit finishes the yeah series of like yeah. tests basically yeah so 2025 oh, okay yeah so we'll see i also have i'm there's another thing kind of about that that we didn't really talk about is i'm i'm kind of wondering if i should sign another contract or just so like a four it. or seven year contract or well the first one i signed was six six and you can resign for honestly however long but i think it caps out at six. Oh, okay okay so what are the normal ones four or six usually people are resigned for yeah like four or six okay. or one sometimes one, okay sometimes like if it's like like my contract was ending and my unit was going to deploy like right after and some guys are like, Oh, I want to go. Like yeah. I want to go deploy. So they'll re up for like a year so they can okay. go. And then they're done right after that. Yeah. But the benefits to doing it is if you stay in for 20 years, you get a pension when you retire. Yeah. That's awesome. That's 20 years though. I mean, 20 years, it's a long time to invest to in think a, about a single it, you know, like job. I'm already going to have six down. That's true. That's true. And, and, and I mean, I, it's only, you know, one long weekend a month. Exactly. Plus a month in the summer. And since I joined when I was 17, 20 years from that, I'd be 37 when I retire from the guard. Yeah, that sounds like you kind of set. Although, I guess your pension probably scales with how many years after. Like, you get a bigger pension if you're 30, right? Or is that not a... 
What do you mean? Like, oh, like, like if you, you stay in for like 30, if you were there you for thirty bit. years instead of twenty, your pension would be a lot oh, better. Uh, I, I don't think so. No, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't really know how that works, but that's like a big reason why a lot of people stay in. Yeah. And then, like I said before, the insurance and education benefits and yeah. Things like that. I know, like, if I stay in, there's a way I can get education benefits for a spouse or any offspring. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, like... Offspring. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird way to say it. But that's, like, actually how they phrase it. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, any of your offspring can go to school. But, um, yeah, like, that's another reason. And it's, like, now that I've, like, gotten, like, the hard getting into it part, like, the scary part kind of over with, now yeah. that I'm, like, in it, it's kind of cake. Like I'm just going to work. Kind of. Yeah. I actually have to leave to go after this podcast. Oh really? Yeah, it's a five dayer. Wait. So does that does that like mess up your schooling yeah, at all? For sure. Like, you miss classes. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh tomorrow? yeah. Yeah, I'm missing classes all week. Like, it's, like I have to be there at six a.m. tomorrow. Oh yeah. We're gonna be out in the field, which means like sleeping in tents and stuff until Sunday. Do you get? So then you, until Sunday, so there's no time to do your homework while you're out there? No. There's no reception or anything. But all the professors at Milwaukee so far have been very – I get – If you let I, them I can know. easily get extensions on anything. Oh, like okay. everyone be like, yeah, yeah, sure, take your time. Yeah. Actually, I forgot. Is my back – oh, here it is. I brought something for you. Oh, <laughs> what you bring? Um, I don't know if it's going to work out for you. Because you're vegan, right? Yeah. But I actually brought you an MRE, uh, which is a, it's like a, it stands for meal ready to eat. It's like a military issued, like. Uh, this is what you take out with you when you're camp- we, camping and shooting the woods? Yeah. Um, so that one is, what does that say? Creamy, Creamy spinach fettuccine. Yeah. And that one is the one that I had that I thought would have the most things that you could eat in it. Wireless ration heaters are prohibited on commercial airlines. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it has like all the ingredients of each component in there. Oh, inside. Okay. But um, yeah. If you ever want to crack that thing open, see what see what we eat. It's it's actually pretty cool. So then, is there somebody who's like the pack mule or something? Who's got to bring a bunch of pots or something like to cook on a fire? Or is it you just eat it? Everything's in there. Everything you need wow. to heat up your meal is in oh, there. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, there's actually like a bag that you put water into and you like put it against the bag and it's like some chemical reaction where it puts off these super stinky fumes, but it heats up super fast and it like heats your meal. That sounds kind of awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you should, if there's anything in there you can eat, you should try Because it's not bad either. Like a lot of people think, it, well, it's kind of gross, but I've probably just gotten used to it over yeah. time. But Kind of makes me think of like uh, astronaut food. Excuse. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what it is. Because that'll last you like, like that'll be good for like 30, 40 years. Like that's what they're meant for. They're waterproof. You can, you know, like. So this one pack, is it, how many like meals is this supposed to be? One? One. But there's like an ass load of calories in there that like you can like probably eat one and be good for a day. Yeah. Or day and a half even. Another thing that's kind of mildly interesting and kind of funny about them is since they're made to last so long and they're like packaged like that and like super processed, uh, they do the same thing in your stomach. Like they last a long time and it's like kind of hard to digest them. (laughs) So it comes with laxative gum. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. What is it made of? I gotta take a look at that. Yeah, you you should crack it open and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just something fun that I've had some of my room that I'd take home, and I have had some of my friends try and. Yeah, it's funny. There's, I know there's one vegan one, vegetable crumble, which is like notoriously the worst tasting one. And that's like the second worst one, probably. (laughs) (laughs) The vegetarian vegan ones are not great. I guess it makes sense to design them to stay in your stomach, maybe because then you're like, I don't know, on active duty out somewhere. You don't want to get hungry again. Yeah, no, that's exactly the point. It's supposed to like be sufficient amount of calories to really like keep you going for yeah. a long time well thanks <laughs> you're so welcome <laughs> there's more where that came from all right <laughs> if, uh, if it's really good then yeah i'll hit you up again yeah let me know <laughs> i can be your guy <laughs> <laughs> they're actually a lot of people use them for like doomsday prepping too because they'll oh, last forever that. it's like all non-perishable you know maybe maybe i should get my dad some he's got like a He's not a doomsday prepper, but he's got a gigantic collection of canned and like that's like awesome, pasta, like stuff just like in his closet in the basement. Yeah, that's sweet. Like <laughs> I think I think doomsday prepping has like such a funny connotation to it, where it's like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah. But it's actually been something that I've been like kind of interested. Like like it's like guilty. It's like one of my guilty pleasures. What's the word? Not even pleasure because I don't do it. Yeah. But, like longings yeah. <laughs> like i would like to you could become one this time yeah for sure because like living in milwaukee if something happens some kind of apocalyptic solar flare or nuclear blast like we'd all be screwed yeah i mean you'd be on call right. yeah true well i'd go hey, well off the record <laughs> <laughs> off the record I, anyways uh i think it'd be so cool to have some kind of camper like prepped where you could just like take it and drive into the woods anywhere and be good yeah <laughs> It'd be kind of cool, yeah. I think it'd be sweet. I'd feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we end this podcast, um, do you have any words of parting? One thing I like to do on occasion for most most episodes is ask somebody. My my guest asks them if they have any advice or thing to do, thing that perhaps you've done or enjoy that mm-hmm. you think the, the listener would benefit from. Okay. Advice. Everything's on YouTube. Tutorials. Everywhere. Yeah. Everything's on YouTube. Do not be intimidated to learn something new. Make the most out of your day because this sounds corny, but there's only 24 hours in a day and there's a lot you can get done in that and it feels good to accomplish something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of it. Nice. Take leaps of faith. Like, I don't know, take risks too. I think that's important. Yeah, those are good pieces of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. That's what I got to say. That's my free chicken for (laughs) (laughs) y'all. All right, well, thank you very much for being on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. I'd love to come on again. I think we should try it. We did get a multiple person. Yeah, you could even borrow our Zoom recorder. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Could do a three, four person podcast. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Might get a little hectic, especially with like. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta have to like have good, uh, I don't know, discipline or something. So now everybody's talking over each other all the time. Have to have like a talking stick. Yeah. (laughs) Or something. 